This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 118. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So for this episode for Sunday, January 3rd, 2021, as usual, I'm covering the news and rumors roundup from the big four camera rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's get into what we have for this week. Let's do this! First up, from Canon Rumors, it looks like 2021 will be the last year for the EOS M lineup. This is a Canon Rumors Level 2. One of the biggest questions in the world of Canon is what will the company do with the EOS M lineup? I think most people, whether they wanted it to happen or not, are resigned to the fact that Canon isn't likely to spend resources developing the EOS M system. I have spoken to two sources recently and both suggested that 2021 will be the last year of the EOS M lineup and that the EOS M50 Mark II was a stopgap for a couple of future RF mount APS-C cameras. This is the first time that I've heard that there are two APS-C RF mount cameras coming, but it makes some sense. The Canon EOS M lineup has its fans, and if Canon can release an APS-C RF mount camera around the same size as current M cameras, then they'll have a winner. Both sources were also adamant that there will not be an RF-S lenses for the APS-C EOS R cameras, but that future lens design will fill the void of no dedicated APS-C lenses. This makes some sense as the only lenses APS-C APS shooters will likely require is a walk-around kit zoom and a wide angle. I have reported that a Canon RF 18-45 F4.5 to 5.6 IS-STM is coming in 2021, and that looks like it would be suitable as a kit lens for a crop camera body, but it will also cover full-frame sensors. Canon will also be doing a Canon RF 10-24 F4L USM, which would cover the wide-angle needs of crop shooters, but I still think Canon will need a non-L lens starting at 10 millimeters for cost reasons. I suspect the EOS M line will hang on a bit beyond 2021 as inventory will still exist, but I do think Canon needs to directly address this sooner rather than later. There will be more to come on this in the future, and if you remember from my 2021 predictions episode from this past Thursday, I predicted that 2021 would be the last year for the EOS M line. It's not shocking, and I suspected that Canon was not going to waste their time making RF mount, uh, RF-S lenses or APS-C crop body lenses for the RF mount. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense to do like Nikon did, just stick to the single RF mount. The lenses will work on both camera bodies. You don't have to worry about flanges. You don't have to worry about any of that garbage. The lenses will work on both full frame and crop bodies. 
That's all we need. That's all Canon should focus on going forward. Next up, deal of the day. The Venus 12mm f2.8 0D ultra-wide angle for EF and RF is $899, down from its regular $999. Adorama has one of the few third-party lenses for the RF mount as their deal of the day. The Venus 12mm f2.8 0D ultra-wide angle is $899, down from $999, today only, which is January 2nd. You can also get the lens in the EF mount. Key features, lens mount, Canon EOS RF slash EOS EF, fixed focal length of 12 millimeters, lens type, wide angle, image stabilization, none, special features, a spherical. And there is a link that will be in the show notes if you want to check this out for yourself. I know it says it's a today only sale, but Adorama lately has been extending their sales by an extra day or two. So I'm hoping that when this releases on January 3rd, you'll still be able to get the deal. Hot deal. Tamron 70-210mm F4 DIVC USD is $399 down from its regular $799. Adorama has a great deal on the Tamron 70-210 F4 DIVC USD at $399, along with the $400 in instant savings, you can also purchase the lens in a couple of different bundles. Uh, the buying options are the Tamron 70-210 lens for Canon EF mount, bundled with a tripod mount ring and memory card for $399, or you can get the lens uh, bundled with a Vanguard tripod kit for $499. 29 and of course i'll have a link to this in the show notes so that you can check out the deals for yourself next up canon once against uh, once again dominates rental market share in 2021 i apologize the person at canon rentals that wrote the headline for the or canon rumors that wrote the headline for this put put the wrong word in they have canon once against and it should be once again dominates so lensrentals.com has posted their annual report on what gets rented the most over the course of the year and once again canon dominates the rankings canon actually gained market share while sony and nikon saw a small decrease in overall rental performance canon accounted for about 25 percent of all rentals at lensrentals.com a slight increase year over year nikon saw a small dip and sony fell just over two percent now, the most popular photography and videography gear of 2020, number one was the Canon EF 24-70 F2.8 L Mark II. Number two was the Canon EOS 5D Mark IV. Number three was the Canon EF 70-200 2.8L IS Mark II. Four was the Sony Alpha A7 III. Fifth was the Canon EF 70-200 F2.8 L IS Mark III. Six was the Canon EF35 F1.4L Mark II. Seven was the Canon EOS R. Eight was the Canon EF 50mm F1.2L. Nine was the Sony FE70-200 F2.8 GM OSS. And ten was the Sony FE24-70 F2.8 GM. And coming in at number 11 is the Canon EF16-35 F2.8L Mark III. 12th was the Canon EF100 F2.8 LIS Macro. 13th was the Sony NP-FZ100 battery. 14th was the DJI Ronin S 
3-axis gimbal. 15 was the Canon EOS 6D Mark II. 16 was the Nikon D750. 17 was the Canon LPE6N battery. 18 was the Canon EF to EOS R adapter. 19 was the Canon EF85 F1.2 Mark II, L Mark II. And 20 was the Sigma EF18-35 F1.8 DC HSM art. Now, I suspect the 2021 list will look very different as the RF mount penetrates the market, but the popularity of DSLRs won't be going away anytime soon. You can head on over to LensRentals.com for a complete breakdown of their 2020 numbers. Next up, review Canon RF 50mm f1.8 STM by TDP. Brian at the Digital Picture has completed his review of the Canon RF 50mm f1.8 STM, the new, quote, nifty 50 or plastic fantastic for the RF mount. Canon has a long history of making these inexpensive 50mm lenses that provide good op optics and great value, and the RF 50mm f1.8 STM continues this tradition. When compared to its EF brother, quote, in the image quality comparison of at f1.8, the RF lens has a slight advantage primarily in the image circle periphery. By f2.8, the EF lens may be slightly sharper at the center of the frame, and the RF lens is very slightly sharper deep in the corners. The EF lens has less peripheral shading, and the RF lens has less geometric distortion. Overall, the image quality differences between these lenses is extremely slight. Now, you can read the full review that Brian did on this lens. I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. And there's also the link where you can buy the Canon RF 50mm f1.2 STM directly from Adorama. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, Canon Japan shows off Canon's 8K Cinema EOS camera that's coming in 2021. Now, there is an accompanying uh, official YouTube video from Canon. Canon Japan has released a teaser for an 8K Cinema EOS camera, one of two 8K Cinema cameras I expect will be announced in 2021. We'll likely get an A camera, quote, uh, 8K camera above the Cinema EOS C700FF and an 8K camera with a modular design like the Cinema EOS C300 Mark III and the Cinema C500 Mark II. It turns out a marketing presentation was made at Inter B 2020 online a few days showcasing uh, what Canon has planned for 8K. Quote, as a leading company in image technology, Canon is working to develop 8K solutions in anticipation of further advances in image expression. A compact, lightweight 8K camera that can be used in a variety of shooting styles, EF Cinema lenses boosts or boasts an extensive lineup of wide-angle and telephoto lenses. 8K display with high brightness, high contrast, and high color gamut, the blending of four real 4K projectors enables a large screen production or projection of real 8K images. From input to output, the Canon 8K solution provides an unparalleled viewing experience. End quote. Canon did show off a modular 8K cinema camera as well as an 8K conversion box. For the moment, it's not fully understood what the conversion box is for. The best guess from YM Cinema is that the box is for 8K output as the camera will record 8K internally. 
I suspect we'll hear something from Canon USA in the next little while. So that wraps up everything from Canon rumors for this week. Now we'll move on over to Nikon rumors. All right, so for this week, I only have three major articles from Nikon Rumors. Maybe the owner of the site took a little bit of a break for the holidays. But anyways, first up, Nisi to announce their first mirrorless lens for the Nikon Z mount. Here is the first rumor for 2021. The Chinese optics manufacturer Nisi is going to announce their first mirrorless lens for Nikon Z mount within the next few weeks. Nisi is mainly known for its filter systems, but they also produce several cinema lenses. I am not sure if the upcoming Z mount lens will be a cinema lens or not. In the U.S., Nisi products are sold at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H. More third-party lenses for Nikon Z mount can be found at the following link. And of course, as usual, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes for my listeners so that you can check it out for yourself. Next up, Zemlin third-party lens hoods for Nikon Super Telephoto lenses, replacement hoods for big glass. All right, so a reader contacted me about his own lens hood specifically designed for Nikon uh, Super Telephoto lenses. The different versions can be purchased directly on eBay. See also this related post at Nikon Rumors Forum. Carl Zemlin from Carmel, Indiana, a suburb of Indianapolis, age 58. He's a mechanical engineer from the University of Illinois, Urbana, with a BSME in 1986. Worked as a machinist and metal fabricator during school. The bulk of my professional career has been designing automation equipment. I started doing design work in 3D in the late 80s. Bought my first 3D printer in January of 2016. My dad was into photography. He was a professor at Illinois in speech and hearing science and did a lot of research on cadavers. He did a lot of photography as part of his research and also enjoyed photography outside of work. He had a dark room in his lab and I had access to that while I was in town. I always kept a camera or two on hand but was not dedicated enough to build a dark room in the house. I didn't really do much with photography after graduating from college. As computers advanced through the years and image editing began to mature, it became clear that the digital darkroom would become a thing. I inherited my dad's Nikon F4 and a few lenses when he died, so that kind of put me on the Nikon side of the fence. When I first saw Nikon's announcement for the D1, I knew that's where I wanted to go. I started putting spare dollars into a box, knowing that by the time I had enough to buy a camera, things would have moved way beyond the D1. It was a long and winding road, but finally in 2007, I ended up buying a Nikon D80. I just wanted the control. I wanted to uh, the control of an SLR in a digital darkroom to play in. I had no aspirations of photographic competence beyond knowing that I'd be able to take a technically good photo. The learning curve with digital photography is so different than with film, though, and I grew with photography well beyond my expectations and dedicated or decided to go part time pro in 2008. You can see some of my stuff at zemlinphoto.com, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. In 2012, I started shooting for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They had the big primes that I could use, and I learned that swinging a big lens was something I could do and learn to love. I also enjoy nature and wildlife photography, although I have enough irons in the fire, I don't have much time for that. 
Eventually, I set my sights on owning a big prime. After a lot of talk with other photographers, experimenting with the lenses at the track, and considering my bud, uh, budget list of a couple, or bucket list of a couple of wildlife expeditions, I apologize, I decided it had to be the Nikon 400 f 2.8 VR. It plays well with teleconverters, and I can get out at, to 800 millimeters with good eye image quality and still be at f 5.6. I keep my business funds separate from the grocery money, but didn't have the side gig cash flow to support that kind of expense. I eventually convinced my wife to let me buy the lens before I was too old to swing it around. I live in Indianapolis, so Robert's camera is local, and I know some of the folks there. I kept my eye on their used gear for a couple of years. It looked, I looked at a few lenses, and finally, in late 2018, the right lens came at the right time. That's where this story begins. I love the lens and use it more than I expected. After getting it dialed in on all my bodies, D3S, D500, D810 at the time, now the D850, the results are stunning. Even with the two times teleconverter Mark III, I kind of like the look of the two-piece hood, but I didn't get along with it very well. There were at least three times that it fell off while I was walking around with the lens, twice when I was in the woods and I was lucky enough to hear it hit the ground, and once at the speedway where, where with the probability of buttered toast landing butter side down, it landed on pavement on the clamp knob. No significant damage, but it got my brain stewing on design ideas. One of my biggest hurdles in producing a 3D printed hood was the material selection. The two key properties are high strength and good sliding between components without creating wear issues. I print with a lot of materials, but nothing I was using at the time was going to be good enough for a big lens hood. Then, right before the COVID shutdown, I discovered fiberglass reinforced ABS plastic. It's an expensive material and not easy to print, but it has the properties I was looking for. I also had the parts in hand for a major upgrade on my 3D printers. I was off work for about six weeks as my employer was shut down. And after some home improvement work, I upgraded my printers, adding heat to the enclosure, replacing the motion control board with a more advanced controller, and making some mechanical improvements as well. I felt I now had all the pieces, the material to do the job, a heated enclosure on the printer that would let me print ABS, and the control features on the printer to deliver the part quality. Uh, being out of work, I set to designing a bayonet mount hood design for my 400mm. It took me a while to find the right combination of fits and features. A lot of 40mm tall test hoods to tweak the sizing, fit, and function. In early July, I had a good version 1.0 design, and I shared this video on Facebook with some of my local photo, uh, photo buddies. Uh, I got immediate replies from some of them. I hate the two-piece hood on my 400 millimeter. I need one of those, which is paraphrased. And the hood on my old 500 won't stay on. Can you make one for that lens? A Maryland basketball player bent the hood on my 200 millimeter f2 and so it began the early adopters were super helpful and their feedback helped drive some design tweaks and i also worked on the cad models to make redesigns to other lenses easier initially i didn't think a two-piece hood compare uh, comparable to the original nikon two-piece hood would work but when i finally tested it out the results were great 
On the factory hoods, the outer section is shorter than the inner because it has to clear the clamp knob when reversed. With my design, there is no clamp knob, so I make the outer section the same length as the inner. I keep the recessed area matching the factory hood, so lens covers designed for the two-piece hood will still fit. For the one-piece design that replaces the two-piece hood, I stretch it out so it's within about 1.5 millimeters of the tripod foot when reversed. This gives the maximum coverage possible while still being able to mount reversed. I also make an extended two-piece replacement where both sections are the length of my one-piece hood, maximizing protection while still mounting reversed for storage. For lenses with one-piece hood designs, I try to match the factory dimensions as closely as I can. Sometimes I have to increase the diameter by a millimeter or two, but usually I can match the factory hood exactly. For every lens I design, uh, okay, I make a mock-up of the end of the lens, which matches the actual lens within a few hundredths of a millimeter. 3D printing isn't per a perfect process. The biggest variable I face is material. A different batch of filament can require different print and part scaling parameters in order to get the part accuracy. I need, that I need on these hoods. So with every hood I produce, I mount it on a lens mock-up to confirm good fit and function. Also, the first few lock-unlock cycles are a quick break-in for the cam surfaces. I'll give it about 20 cycles for both shooting position and reverse mounting so it's ready to roll when the customer gets it. I've been selling these on eBay. My biggest seller so far has been the one-piece hood for the Nikon 400mm f2.8. The same design works on the f2.8 GVR, the f2.8 DAF-S Mark II, and the f2.8 DAF-S one I can usually print a hood within a day of purchase, get it cleaned up, tested, and shipped in under 48 hours. Sometimes other commitments get in the way, but they will all go out quickly. I haven't sold a lot yet, but the response has been good. I hear back from a customer. If I hear back from a customer, the response, responses are over the top about the design and fit on their lens. I've had only one return from an eBay sale, and that was from someone who had a different lens and the hood was de than the hood was designed for, so it didn't fit. I am continuing and uh, to add hoods slash lenses to the design library. About to cut loose a Nikon 300mm f2.8 VR slash VR2 hood. A hood for the Nikon 600mm f4 VR is also in the works. I plan to have the same range of offerings for the 600mm I have for my 400mm f2.8. A one-piece, a standard two-piece, and an extended two-piece. My main beta tester shoots a lot of sports. He said he'd like the hood on his, or he liked the hood on his uh, 200F2 better if it didn't slide when placed on the floor hood down. I tried a few different things for a traction pad at the end of the hood without success. This weekend, I'm going, uh, this weekend, I'm making him a hood with a polyurethane traction pad, which seems to get the job done well without being a burden to produce. If testing pans out, I'll be offering that as a no-charge option on any hood. I'm not going to make it universal because feedback on having traction on the floor has been mixed. The most interesting hood request so far from a photographer in Italy has uh, who has a Nikon AF-I 400 f2.8. 
He works in a machine shop and had the tools and experience to take the precision measurements required for the hood design. We went back and forth a few times on measurements and I finally shipped him a hood without ever laying hands on the actual lens. He was elated with the hood when it arrived. I have a similar design in the works for a rare 300mm f2.2 cinema lens. The owner is in Hawaii. The different Zemlin lens hoods for Nikon Super Telephoto lenses can be purchased directly on eBay, and I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. I think it's fantastic that this gentleman was able to come up with some really good rock-solid designs to 3D print his own replacement lens hoods that actually work better than the ones that you get from Nikon. So a little creativity and ingenuity can really go a long ways. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, the line between Nikon USA version and a gray market. Is it fuzzy or crystal clear? All right, so I recently embarked on a mission to verify my recent purchase from Amazon for an AFS Nikkor 600mm f4 EFLED VR alphabet soup lens was in fact a USA version and not a gray market. The information directly from Nikon USA uh, determined I I found disturbing. Some would argue the response to be fuzzy. Others may argue it's crystal clear. In summary, what the Nikon USA support person said was to be certain you are purchasing a Nikon USA warranted lens, either buy only directly off their Nikon USA site or only their Uh, technicians can determine if your purchase is covered by warranty. As a 35 plus year high tech sales professional with extensive experience of both direct and indirect channels, I interpret that statement as one that discourages end customers from purchasing through Nikon's authorized dealers. And the comment about only their technicians can determine warranty I find concerning. The validity of Nikon's warranty is determined solely by the technician who's Uh, whose bench it shows up on. Assuming intended USA items are not counterfeit, I would think the serial number and the UPC code could be used to build an approved warranty database. I have been looking at the new 600mm for some time. Every time I looked either on the Nikon USA site or other common online photo retailers, they were on back order. Recently, while making another purchase on Amazon, I noticed Amazon had one in stock being sold directly by Amazon, so I decided to purchase it. After receiving it and registering it with Nikon, I got to thinking, was this in fact the USA version or gray market import Amazon sold me? That led me on the search for answers. My first effort was online searches and other extensive effort. I found contact uh, Nikon, certainly with the serial number, they should have a record of who they sold the lens to, and from there be able to determine if it's a USA version or gray market. Here is Nikon's response, quote, thank you for contacting Nikon. For this regards, we do not have any information on serial number history and thus cannot provide that information. Should you have any further questions, please please do not hesitate to reply to this email or give us a call at 800-645-6687. 
A second attempt with Nikon after conver- uh, conversations with Amazon and providing the serial number along with the UPC code, quote, we are not able to determine whether a product is gray market based on the serial number alone. To determine whether your product is gray market, it must come to our service center for evaluation. I have included an article below that will further explain gray market products. So <laughs> it's really crazy that this person's getting the runaround where Nikon claims that they can't tell from the serial number and UPC code if it's an, a UPC. USA built uh, a lens built to be sold in America with an American warranty or not. After Nikon was unable to help the first time, I went back to Amazon and eventually finished the effort at Amazon. I won't share the gory details here of working with a customer service process that supports everything from toilet paper sales to $13,000 camera lenses. After three different phone calls, speaking with six different people, then attempting through chat, three different people through chat, Amazon finally emailed me the message below. I appropriately X'd out information, my order number, and individual's names. Message from customer service. Uh, Pre-order... Uh, XX for the Nikon AFS FX Nikkor 600mm f4 FLED lens. This is, in fact, a Nikon USA version. Nikon warrantied lenses acquired by Amazon through appropriate channels and is not a gray market unwarranted version. And he received that email from Amazon on Friday, the 11th of December of 2020. Uh, Nikon website, and there's a link that I'll include in the show notes for this article. Um, How can I be sure if I'm buying an official Nikon USA product? Remember, the easiest way to recognize gray market is that the product does not include a Nikon Inc. USA warranty. Look for and ask for a Nikon Inc. USA warranty whenever you buy a Nikon product. This is not what the Nikon support person said. They clearly said to be certain of a Nikon warranty, only buy from Nikon USA website or have their technician evaluated after purchase. I hope after all of this, my letter from Amazon meets the criteria of their website. With this experience, it is no surprise to me why Nikon has been losing market share. Market share is not only impacted by maintaining a portfolio of competitive products, but includes having a well-supported sales channel and treating the end customer like they are truly important to you or to your long-term success. Uh, that is definitely an interesting article. And I do find it weird, like I said, that Nikon claims they can't tell if the lens is made to be sold in America just from the serial number and UPC. Because um, I know for a fact with like Canon and other manufacturers, all you need is a serial number and UPC code and they can instantly tell you if it's a gray market or not. So that is a little bit odd. And with that, uh, that wraps up Nikon rumors for this week. I'm going to go ahead and take a short break and I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with questions, comments, or requests for future episodes. If you prefer not to call or text, you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, and you can find us on Twitter at LiamPhotoATL. On Twitter, you can tweet the show. Just insert the hashtag LiamPhotoPodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. So now, switching tracks to Fuji rumors for this week, let's see what we have in the world of Fuji. First up, there is a sensor 70% fuller than full frame, and here is where it shines. 
promise. There will be rumors, I can tell you that. We'll talk about gear and specs. We will get mad at some. We will love others. But in any case, we are going to have fun. And yet, that's not how I'd like to start 2021 here on Fuji Rumors. Nope. I'd like to start with an image roundup because I, uh, what I love most about my Fujifilm system is not all the cameras and lenses that I have in my bag, but the images I was able to print big and put on my wall thanks to it. And little it matters with gear you use as long as it's fun for you to use it. Maybe uh, maybe an APS-C full frame or that sensor that is actually 70% fuller or bigger than full frame and you find uh, that you find inside Fujifilm GFX cameras. Every system has its strengths and one of the Fujifilm GFX system is definitely portraits and landscape. And that's what we want to focus on today, the Fujifilm GFX. You know, a new and amazing Fujifilm GFX100S is coming soon, so I thought we can give you guys a taste of its power by sharing images fellow Fujifilm GFX shooters shared at our fantastic Fujifilm GFX group. I hope you'll enjoy the images as much as I did, and I wish you a fantastic weekend. There are links to the Fujifilm GFX group, and I'll include a link to this article in the show notes, as usual, so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. Next up, top 10 articles for December, Fujifilm announcements, January 27th, Sigma X-Mount, Fujifilm X-E4, GFX100S, and new film simulations, and much, much more. These are the top 10 posts for December of 2020, Sigma lenses for Fujifilm coming in 2021 from a trusted source. Mark this date, big Fujifilm announcements on January 27th, 2021. The Fujifilm X-E4 still with 26 megapixel X-Trans sensor. Number four was this new app gives you access to over 100 film simulation recipes. Number five was new Fujifilm simulations coming early 2021. Six was Fujinon XF70 to 300 F4 to 5.6 coming early 2021. Seventh most popular article was Fujifilm XE4 coming in first quarter of 2021. Eight was new Fujifilm GFX100 with IBIS will be about as big as the Fujifilm GFX, uh, GFX50S. The Fujifilm GFX100S is the name of the new Fuji uh, camera, suggesting no range find, uh, finder style, leaked specs recap, and number 10 rumor, smaller Fujifilm GFX100 will have IBIS and be coming in early 2021. And that's a roundup of the 10 most popular articles for Fujifilms.com for the month of December of 2020. So it looks like they had a really good year in 2020 at Fuji rumors.com next up goodbye 2020 we won't miss you and best wishes for 2021 to all of you uh, may it be a good one where you do all those simple things again we love to do in 2019. From my side, I'll try my best to keep Fuji rumors interesting, fun, and entertaining for you. And I tell you this, with all the goodness Fujifilm has in the pipeline, that will be an easy job. Down below, I'll share just a few impressions of my lockdown life in 2020. But I was lucky since here in Italy, the infection numbers in summer were extremely low, so I could travel two weeks to South Italy and a weekend to Tuscany. Plus, I have the Dolomites just around the corner, so I could get views like this one or this one and this one, as well as eat sandwiches surrounded by wonderful landscapes. There's a video included in the link, as well as the images that they're talking about. And he wraps up by saying, take care, 
uh, from Patrick, the owner of FujiRumors.com. Next up, Fuji Rumors 2020, most read articles, top flop, blogger moments, most used gear, and a massive thanks. There are wines that get better only with the years, and there are years that get better only with wine. I guess 2020 was such a year, and so I hope you have a glass of wine ready to celebrate the end of this unreal year. But let's quickly look at what happened in 2020 here on Fuji Rumors. Now, I already thought you were amazing, but in 2020, you did even better than in 2019. 63,000 plus comments on Fuji, uh, Fuji Rumors articles, averaging 172 a day. It was 145 in 2019. 156,370 votes in our polls. Your massive participation is the reason why Fujifilm reads us uh, with greatest care as proven multiple times, such as here, here, and here. And I'll include a link to all of this in the show notes. As you know, I run Fuji Rumors alone in my spare time for my teaching job. So it was not always easy, especially this year with the extra workload I had to do to switch to online teaching. But I have tried to honor your fantastic participation by delivering to you in 2020. We had 967 blog posts written in 2020, an average of 2.65 articles every single day of the year, 90 rumors shared, 94% correct rumors, at least 7,000 personal messages written to you via fujirumors at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram direct, about 20 messages a day, every day, holidays and weekends included, 750 plus replied comments in various Fuji Rumors articles, and the site is 100% free. And that is the wrap up on that part in that article from, from fujirumors.com. And last up from Fuji Rumors for this week, the Nightcore FX3 dual battery fast charger for the Fujifilm X-T4. As the Fujifilm X-T4 comes without a charger, the first investment I did along with my X-T4 was to get the Fujifilm BC-W235 dual battery charger. Since a few weeks now, also, Nightcore offers its own dual charger for Fujifilm X-T4 batteries. The Nightcore FX3 dual battery charger uh, will cost you about half the price of the original charger. As you, uh, as you can now get it in various combinations, you can get the Nightcore FX3 2 uh, dual battery uh, dual charger for Fujifilm X-T4 with the NP-W235 battery with LumenTAC keychain light. You can get the Nikkor also um, with the QC 3.0 charging adapter. The Nikkor FX1 dual charger for NP-W6225 uh, batteries was one of the top five sellers on Fuji Rumors in 2018. It will soon be available also at other stores. The Nikkor FX3 dual charger is available on Amazon US, B&H Photo, eBay, and Adorama. But as said, it's not the only option out there. There are a few other examples, and I'll include a link to this article in the show notes. And as I said a moment ago, that will wrap up Fuji Rumors for this week. And now we'll be moving on to the Sony Alpha Rumors. 
All right, so first up from Sony Alpha Rumors, Kai Man Wong, Sony FX6, coolest 4K full-frame cinema camera for the money. And there is an accompanying video from YouTube. Now, if you're not familiar with him, Kai Wong was the host for Digital Rev TV based out of Hong Kong for several years. I really love this guy. He's a lot of fun. He's really funny. He does interesting and entertaining videos. And he has out his latest video on the Sony FX our FX6 full-frame E-mount camcorder. Now, the camera can be bought at B&H Photo, Focus Camera, and Adorama. I recommend that you check out Kai's video. As I said, he is a entertaining and fantastic presenter and has a lot of knowledge about photography and videography. Next up, new Viltrox F1.4 APS-C E-mount lenses in stock at B&H Photo. First review by Mark I'll had if I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But anyways, you can get the Viltrox 33 millimeter F1.4 lens for Sony E-mount for 239 and the Viltrox 56 millimeter F1.4 for Sony E-mount, the black edition for 299. Uh, from Mark, quote, the Viltrox 33mm f1.4 STM is 200 at 274 euros is a very good prime lens for the AX or A6X series. It delivers good to excellent sharpness across the whole frame, very soft background blur, good bokeh balls, very good color rendition, pleasant skin tones. Its AF is good and efficient most of the time. It will be an ideal lens for portrait and street photography. If you do a lot of video, its clickless aperture ring is a pleasure to use. If not in the A position on the ring, it will behave like a standard lens with aperture control via the body. And next up from Sony Rumors for this week, the Sony A7C review by Engadget, small, smart, and clumsy. The Sony Alpha A7C mirrorless digital camera, body only in silver, can be purchased for $17.98 at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Calumet DE, Photo, uh, Photo Earhart DE, Photo Koch DE, Wax UK, and Park UK. And there is an accompanying YouTube video, uh, video from Engadget. And of course, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so that you can check it out for yourself. Next up, DP Review TV's 2021 camera industry prediction, Sony a7 IV has the potential to be the big hit of the year. And there is an accompanying video with their predictions. They believe the Sony uh, a7 IV could be the breakout camera for 2021. However, I wouldn't count your chickens before they hatch on that. Not with the stuff that Canon has in the pipeline that'll be coming out this year, uh, especially with the R5S and the probability that there will at least be a development announcement by the end of the year on the R1 R or R1X, depending on what Canon decides to call it. And last up for this week, DxO Mark Sony A7C sensor review, full frame goodness in a compact body. DxO tested the Sony A7C performance and unsurprisingly, the results are about the same as one of the A7 III. Quote, featuring rangefinder style body, the Sony A7C is an intriguing step between the Sony A6 series uh, 
and the DSLR-style A7X models. While targeting the hybrid stills and video market, the design means it's likely to find favor with vloggers and others looking for a highly compact and portable full-frame camera, and it's an attractive alternative to the larger A7 III and A9 models. At launch, the price is advantageous as well. The backside illuminated CMOS in the Sony A7 III performs well together. The results are practically identical to the sensor in the A7 III and A9 II, and it produces a nice balance between maximum dynamic range at low ISOs and maintaining a useful wide dynamic range at higher ISO settings. And the same can be said for color depth. All combined, the Sony A7C is an attractive option for landscape, travel, wedding, and portrait photographers, while the rangefinder-style body should also appeal to the tr uh, traditional street photographer. You can pick up a uh, Sony A7C at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon, Focus Camera, Calumet DE, Photo Earhart DE, Photo Conch DE, Wex UK, and Park UK. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is named the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I have also opened it up to allow you to give the names of a previous guest on the show, uh, which will also get you in and prove that you're a listener. Once you're in the group, you're free to post your own original work to the group. If you would like creative critique of your images, you can post them with the comment CC please, and myself or another pro in the group would be happy to give you some pointers. Now, I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the GFX 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions. The questions are, do you own or plan to own a GFX 50R, and what style of photography do you shoot primarily? You can find my work at www.liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my project at www.forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and the first book in the series, The Northwest Counties, is now available. All right, and that is going to wrap up episode 118 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the show now. It's free of charge, doesn't cost you anything, and you can enjoy listening to the content that I release twice a week. New episodes come out on Sunday, which is the News and Rumors Day from the four News and Rumors sites, and then Thursdays are standard episodes where I give photography tips, hints. Uh, I do interviews with prof other professionals in the industry. I'm hoping in 2021 to finally get Matt Bishop on here. He and I've been talking back and forth on Facebook. He's a fantastic guy and a super talented photographer. I'm looking forward to having him on the show. And I'm also planning to reach out to model and actress Ellie Cat to see if she'd be willing to come back on in 2021. Now, I know she's been super busy because she's been doing a bunch of films, so it may take a little bit before I can get her back on the show. I'm also working on another episode with Jill Mott, who's been super popular on this show. All right, so I am going to wrap it up. Happy New Year's to everybody, and I will see you again in another seven days.